How many of you are freshmen or this is the first time you've heard me preach uh, here? Okay, good enough people. All right, okay, a large number of people. How many of you have heard me before? I'm not the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. But that, that helped me identify something. And you just need to know this. I gave my life to Jesus Christ at a class at the University of the Pacific. You all beat. And there's something altogether other about this moment right now. Yeah. Because this is perhaps the greatest curse of the Gen Z generation is that you're built by God and there's such a cry to give your all to something, but then for people to not find what is worthy to give their all to. And that's kind of where I was at man, on a college campus. I, I was I was thinking I was that dude, but I found out really quickly I was just another hurting dude. And so after a night of partying, after a night of craziness, I grew up in inner city Oakland, uh, I got very desperate. And sometimes you don't know where the bottom's gonna fall out. You think one minute you're partying, you're doing your thing, you don't know how close you are to that, you know, the sophisticated folks would call it the existential crisis. But you don't know how close you are to that point where the bottom falls out, and all of a sudden death, even suicide, seems like a viable alternative or option. When I was at that point, I cried out to God, you're only gonna be standing for like 45 more seconds. I came back from Portland one night and I had a, a Southern black grandmother thank God for Southern black grandma. How many of you have Southern black grandma? If not, you should get one. I'm sure there's a Southern black grandma that will watch you. They will tell you the truth. My grandmother, she just went straight from being on me and said, Well, you need Jesus. You need to give your life to the Lord. So now, here is my final 25 seconds. I come back to the party and I go into my dorm room at the University of Pacific in Stockton, California. So. And I cry out to God. I said, God, if you're real, I want to experience you. If you let me experience you, I'll give you everything. Here is the moment. I'm awakening at 3 o'clock in the morning. I see Jesus like I see you. Now, that's not an exaggeration. I share this, and I can't even begin to do justice. People say, what did Jesus look like? To me, he looked like fire, straight fire with corporeality, meaning he had appendages, arms and legs. Wow. I can see John did a great job in Revelation, y'all, when he said yeah. his face looks like lightning, and, you know, his eyes are like lightning, his face is like the sun shining. Right. And he speaks to me, and he, I hear the audible voice of God, my life has changed. I go across my campus, I'm witnessing everything that moved, because why? Like maybe some of you in this room, there was a desire, first of all, for my heart to be healed. There was a desire for me to touch the transcendent, that which I knew is beyond anything that has an earthly explanation. I fancied myself an intellectual, but the truth be told, I wanted something I couldn't wrap my cerebral cortex around. I wanted that supernatural encounter. And third of all, I found someone who was worthy enough to give my all to. I felt his love in that moment. And let's just be honest, come on somebody. Like, we get tricked in this generation because we think that excitement is in the next Marvel release or Disney Plus Marvel series. Right. You think excitement is going to be found in Coachella or somebody. I'm telling you right now, real excitement is when you meet Jesus, he yeah. sets you free. He introduces you to your destiny. Speaks over your identity. And then begins to use your life because you become a person on purpose. All right, just put your hand on the person's shoulder next to you, left and right. If that's all right, just put your hand on the shoulder right now. Come on. Father, we just pray, and we pray for the meeting. Lord, we pray for this moment. We pray for the atmosphere. But now we're praying for the person left and right, front and back. We ask you to meet them. Lord, the day is over for a nice religious meeting. We don't gather for that. We need encounters. We need encounter with the Holy One of Israel. 
And so we pray, Jesus, you would walk down the aisle, up the road, stand in front of every single person. You would speak over them, release, God, your heart over them, and they would feel your presence. And then, God, we just pray if there's anyone here tonight that doesn't know you, that hasn't taken that step, that tonight would be the night that they would experience the miracle of their life. That Amen, Lord. Lord. cried out for time and time again. Yes, we Lord. thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Come on. Amen. Amen. All right, tell us how you know how to do it. Amen. Keep our heart, chest bump, elbow bump, whatever is appropriate. Small group leaders, I honor you guys. Thanks so much for what you do. You guys are amazing. Uh, I, I, I'm sure somewhere uh, somebody named Gocho is out there changing the world right now. So shout out to the Gochos. I, I love, I love Mary, the kids and everybody. It's so awesome. I got a great friend of mine. He's a nephew to me. His folks have been friends of mine for almost probably 25 years now. Some of my closest friends in, in ministry and stuff. And so Clay Stewart is a middle school student outreach pastor at the Refuge Church in Kannapolis. It's just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Anybody been around Charlotte, heard of Charlotte? Anybody like that? Come on, we all give a nice Sam Houston welcome to Clay Stewart. Clay, just stand up. Either Friday night or Saturday night, right? But I'm leaning down towards Friday night. I want to equip you and talk to you about how to hear the voice of God, how to flow in the prophetic, how to get words of knowledge, and how to sharpen your senses in this kind of this aspect of tracking with Holy Spirit. Sean, what do you mean by that? I'm talking to you about how to step into miracles. How many of you will come back out if I teach on how, and we're going to demonstrate it, of course, because it ain't about talk. How many of you will come back out tomorrow night? We do all right, and we're going to do it tomorrow night. I was thinking about Saturday, but I think it was Jason who said you might get more people on Friday, so you'll come tomorrow night. I want to train you quickly. It is a passion of mine. Seriously. I get a chance. I'm blessed to travel around and equip people and hear the voice of God. That's how God impacted my life. The truth be told is that you don't hear the voice of God because you're specially gifted, especially gifted. You're the voice of God because you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. Come on, right? come on. Yeah. The Bible says, John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice, voice of the tree, when I fall. All right, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to do any other meeting, so y'all came to the right meeting. No, I will. I'm going to do it tomorrow night. All right, I'm going to give away some stuff. All right, my wife has, how many of you heard of my wife, Christmas? <laughs> right. My wife has a brand new book called Singled Out in a Couple's World. Now, let me just say, this isn't a swipe left, swipe right, dating app kind of book, right, Christian book. No, no, no. This isn't even about, I mean, there's a little bit in there on how to find the right mate, but more than her writing on how to find the right one, she talks about how to be the right one because you're going to attract what you're like, right? Right. And you ever see people, I want to date somebody who's boom, 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 and you're in the back of your head, right? You're not trying at that point to clap back, but you're thinking, you ain't none of the things you're looking for in a spouse. But what she does talk about is that your single years are to be stewarded and shepherded 
in an awesome, amazing way that glorifies God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you can fulfill your destiny regardless of your relationship status. Even if it's complicated. Come on, somebody. Come on. Yeah. You can still walk out. You don't need to hold your gifting and your destiny or your identity hostage waiting for that guy or that gal. And she does a phenomenal job. She just recently was featured on the 700 Club. She uh, they interviewed her over this book. This will, I believe, I'm going to write more of a book than my book. In fact, this is a longer part of the commercial. This will change your life. All right, so I want to give it to somebody. All right, and so who, who wants this book? Like, who would want this Daisy! book? Daisy! Right, Daisy! 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 No? I, I yeah, she got it! I'm gonna give this book away tomorrow, but I gotta bring the book. I'll talk to you about it tomorrow because I want to speak to you tonight. I'm not a special break. But prophetic measure, I rewrote this book, and let me just tell you, this is about hearing the voice of God and leading people to the Lord. Because let me tell you, a record number of people are giving their life to the Lord right now. You have the answer. I'll talk about that tomorrow night. Finally, people say, hey Sean. How, how do we uh, hear more from your wife and I? So I, I just feel like, okay, we have a podcast with Charisma. It's called, oh, come on, somebody. somebody who's, who's heard of our podcast? Okay, come on. We have a podcast called Keep It 100 with Sean and Chris and Smith. It's on any place where you would download a podcast. And so listen to it and like it. Give a good review. If you don't, leave a bad review on someone else's podcast. No, I'm just uh, what we do is we, we take issues. And our hearts in this are to disciple Gen Z and millennials. That's what we do every single day. We travel to a place where they go mentor me, disciple me. So each time we're taking, for instance, the subject, it comes out every two weeks. The one that came out this week is the conversation I would have with my younger self or my 20-year-old self or however old you are. And the top three things, right? So number, I don't know what number it is, but it would be this. It would be understanding the importance of rest and how to rest in the Lord, mm. how to slow down. Yeah. I mean, your age, you're not even thinking like that, okay? I, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm gonna be honest. But it is so important to understand, if you've been entering to the rest of the Lord, you'll see more of the Holy Spirit flowing through you, resting than you will striving. And this whole world is about a blur, it's about pushing you, and so we talk about the latest. Anyway, that's out there. Keep going, number Sean. All right, you got about to go to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Pastor John Gaston, I sure love you, sir. And Woo! You. Thanks so much yeah. for who you are. I'm just thinking as I saw the kids just come to the altar. I was thinking how many times, probably over a decade, I've seen you lead this church and you come to the altar and lay out and people just come. And so you guys are honored to have a that's right. Name of God Amen. as a shepherd and pastor here. Woo! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tiling 
into the midst before Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said to them, man, their sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, somebody said, uh-oh, uh-oh, Jesus knows what you're thinking, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Right? <laughs> when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them and took up what he had been like. Like, is Jesus awesome or what? Right, come yeah. on. Yeah. The thing that forged you, you get empowered to the point that you can pick that thing up at the end of the day. The thing you felt glued to, the thing you never thought you'd recover and get up on, you can roll that stuff up and walk away with it and take up what you've been like. Man, if I could preach, I would preach on it. If I was T.D. Jakes, I would just go <laughs> And departed to his own house, glorified God, and they were all amazed, of course, and they glorified God, and they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Now, Mark 2, verse 1, it's a synoptic gospel, in other words, it's a parallel passage, it's another eyewitness account. Let's just read one verse of that and kind of fill in some blanks on this story that we're going to unfold and unpack. He says, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there were no longer room to receive him, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. I'm convinced that a massive move of God is ready to be released to the people of God. Come on. I believe Go. that a mighty outbreak of the Holy Ghost can hit Sam Houston before this semester is over or quarter or whatever system they're on where a massive number of people are impacted by the gospel. And it all hinges on a simple thing that I want to unfold and unpack. But let me say this statement before we get to unpacking. Revival and the miraculous is something I've studied, I've learned. I've learned over the years. Revival and the miraculous belong to those who will break the status quo and come on, Colin, dare to do the unusual. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I feel like this whole season, somebody asked me, what do you think this whole pandemic and this whole COVID stuff is all about? And hopefully we're out of it. I flew for the first time coming here not having to wear a mask. And then, and then I'm so excited about that. Uh, there's still some variants out there. There's some, some people catching it overseas. There's something that you hear stories on that. And, and I don't know where to file all that stuff outside of saying, I don't care if it's an Omicron or Delta, I know the Alpha and Omega. That's where I stand. Yeah. But Jesus is going to be in control, right? But I really felt the pandemic is a portal. It's a portal. It's not talks like Dr. Strange and right. on Spider-Man. But it's like a portal. Like, this pandemic, I'm convinced, is a fast track in Disneyland or Disney World when you don't want to wait in line, but you need a fast track because you just want to get on the ride. So you take this slip and you come out back during a certain time, and in this time, it's expedited. I feel like we have prayed for the Lord God. We've asked God to show himself strong. We've asked God to answer the evil, the atrocities. And guess what? God gave us exactly what we prayed for. It just doesn't look the way we thought it would come. Right. I, okay, you not convinced me. Keep preaching. What I'm saying is, I believe that God did not send the pandemic, but he can use every season of your life. Come on. Come on. And I believe in the midst of it, what he did 
is that he unplugged us from dead works. Come on, somebody. Right, so amen. We're amen. Going all together, right? right? But the other thing he did is he made us desperate for him. Right. Like if all you did, if, if this room would not be the magnitude of attendance if all we were doing was giving lectures. Come on, somebody. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. You can stay at home and watch that lecture online, Zoom, Facebook, whatever. What got you here is encounter the presence of God. Not yes. a program, a presence. Right. And what God is saying is we got to get back to being in the power of the Holy Ghost. Right. We got to get back to the one thing Jesus brings to the table that I don't want to say every other because Jesus is not a philosophy, but philosophies cannot bring you. They cannot bring you Right. They cannot bring you that element of transformation that when you meet Jesus, you don't walk away the same. Right. And in some instances, you aren't even walking to your met Jesus. He puts you on your feet. This is what we're talking about right now. I believe that the spirit-filled movement holds the solution in Christ, of course, to exactly what is the situation of the appetite of America today. Let me say it like this. People out there are hungry for the supernatural, right? I'm up and say, hey man, ever since you were a kid, nowadays kids are raised on supernatural cartoons, they're playing supernatural video games, they're creating supernatural cards, they're watching supernatural trailers before their supernatural movies, they're online joining supernatural groups, and then we bring them to our Christian churches or Christian communities, and we have an atmosphere devoid of the supernatural. That doesn't make any sense. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Come on, I'm going to preach over here. I got some better way. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Let's go. Like, if there was ever a time for the church to be in power and in the Holy Ghost, it's now. Right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Let's I go. See, I, there are some churches and some places I get it across uh, America that for whatever reasons, financial others, sometimes doors close and sometimes it's not something you can attribute to as one fault, one blame. But I'm convinced that if Jesus is really in the house, you're going to get a crowd. That's if right. If Jesus yeah. is really moving, folks are going to come out. Somewhere Woo! in there, we got to get more Jesus in the room because when Jesus is in the room, we serve a SRO, standing room only Jesus. That's right. Yeah. I know that thought. Woo! Okay. There are only three types of honeymoons, right? Uh -huh. First honeymoon, honeymoon number one. Right? When you get that person, you put a ring on your finger, some of you aren't married here. Woo! Okay, all right, somebody newly married here, okay? And uh, some of them are getting married. There are three types of honeymoons. First type of honeymoon, you ready for it? First type of honeymoon here we go. is the souvenir gathering, mm. selfie picture taking, sightseeing tour, uh, in, uh, jumping in. It's the group, it's the husband and wife newlywed that they want to experience and take in every place of where they went. And they want to have souvenirs, pictures, etc. to remember. That's honeymoon. That's an awesome honeymoon, right? Yeah. yeah. Second type of honeymoon. Y'all got to be mature with them. Don't be religious. You got to be mature, right? Right. Second type of honeymoon is a type of honeymoon where you drop off the radar, right? Yes. You turn off the cell phone. Amen. You have self-service. Let's go, Trevor. Why? You have held yourself pure. Your partner's held yourself pure. You have waited years for this activity to be blessed. <laughs> And I describe to you, let me 
describe to you why this was important. I grew up in inner city Oakland. When I grew up, there were just some, I don't blame this, now please, I'm not playing into stereotypes, I'm not playing into generalizations. I'm just telling you where I grew up and the mentality where I was at. There were certain lids and limitations where I grew up, and if you grew up in an area and that was kind of the understanding of the way people did life and did things, you come up underneath it, probably the greater propensity is you're going to come underneath the same lids. How many of you right. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. 15 minutes or waving your hands, you got that. Yeah. So if I didn't, I'm wondering if you got that. Let me explain it. Okay, let me break it down. In my neighborhood, where I grew up, the brothers were good swimmers, okay? I'm not playing the stereotypes, I'm just telling you my experience. Partially, because they didn't have an uncle, they taught them how to swim, because their uncle didn't have an uncle, they taught him how to swim, they were how to swim, so we're all scared of the water. No, don't get me wrong, we would take baths, we would take showers, but anything bigger than a bathtub, unless it was kiddie pool size, we weren't trying to swim in a deep end, we were going to the, oh, I'm in California, brothers from Oakland was not going into the ocean, Swimming, and then they came out with all them like shark attack movies, shark week, and it was like, oh no, heck no, we ain't going out there. And so there was this thing, all right? Y'all still want to be mature, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next time y'all see a black person get water baptized, y'all need to clap louder. I'm talking about 
had to take their word for it. I went in and tried to try to like, you know, like, you know, push him away a little bit. I don't know. And so it's great. I swear I was shocked. Come on. I was in water. I was in water with jaws. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We had stingrays. Nice. They okay. come and cut the stingray off. I saw a little bump in the end of the tail of that thing. That looked like a sting on his ray to me. I had no idea. <laughs> Man, I, I, I could have started a website entitled www.whatyoudon'tthinkblackmanwoulddo.com. Okay? <laughs> on the beach, I'm loving suntan on me, I'm on lotion. I'm just doing it all, right? We went scuba diving. <laughs> right? Typically, you scuba dive, right? You have the tank on your back and you go underwater. Snooba diving, the tank isn't on your back, the tank is on floating. You got the weight vest like way down here and like your oxygen is way up there. The only problem with that is, well, two problems. I don't like water, okay? <laughs> Number two, I got a kink in my water. So I'm going the water, I'm trying to breathe, okay? And I tell the dude who's our like tour dude, and I'm doing this, kind of like, get me up. He thought I was bringing thumbs up. Jesus 
is everything he said he is. He right. is awesome. Yes. You know, the Bible says he's fairer than the sons of men. He's chief among 10,000. Yes. He's all yeah. that and then some. Amen. But the fact remains, there comes a moment when you recognize your level of commitment, your level of discipline, your level of how you approach God, and even the priorities of your life has to shift in seasons. And yeah. hopefully you're growing. Okay? Hold this thought. You guys are still with me? Yes, sir. All right. Ooh, I got a good group here. Yes, sir. Jesus began his very public ministry in Capernaum. Many would say that the Galilean headquarters of Jesus' ministry was Capernaum. I remember years ago, I was in Israel. And actually, our, our, our tourist guy, who's very steady and understand both the, the Hebrew, I'm not saying that right, but the, the Judaic, <laughs> I'm not saying that, that was close to Judaic customs and Christians and believers. Well, he shared all that with us. And he got off the boat at a certain point, and we got up, and he said, this is essentially where ancient Capernaum was. And it was like the rubble, it was tow up. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God, what did y'all do? <laughs> what did you do? Because Jesus actually does speak a curse against Capernaum. Right. I don't know if this is the sole reason, but I want to tell you what could possibly contributed to the fact of what happens even in individuals' life. Because the question that really is before us is, Will we be rubble or will we have revival? I mean, come on, come on, as a people, right? Will it be rubble or will it be revival? I didn't originate that phrase. A great man of God, Leonard Ravenel, and he talked about this very thing. I think he used rot for revival, but essentially, is it rubble? Is it revival? Now, here it is. Capernaum has two shades of meaning. Write this down. One of it means city of comfort. Capernaum, city of comfort. And the secondary meaning is field of repentance. I feel like coming out of COVID, this is, think of, uh, instead of COVID-19, right? Think of Capernaum-19, Capernaum-2020, Capernaum-2021, Capernaum-2022. We were at this click in the road. That, remember, the city, its name means either city of comfort or field of repentance. I see a, a group of believers that are becoming more comfortable in their sin, they're more comfortable in their familiarity with Jesus, and they become overly familiar to a Jesus they hardly even know. Wow. They begin to try to describe what Jesus is okay with, and, and I'm gonna be real straight with you for a minute, I'm smiling, I love you. Jesus is only okay with himself, okay? So if you say Jesus is okay with sin, you better check yourself. Yeah. If Jesus isn't okay with sin, he's only okay with himself. Yeah. If, if Jesus is in you, Jesus in you pleases the Father. God is on. He set a high standard, right? Be holy even as I am holy, right? Then, then, yeah. then he put the image of his son in you because that is what pleases him. So right. you say, I got this lifestyle, Jesus endorses it. I'm playing around here. I'm doing this. I'm clubbing. I'm, I'm gender bending. I'm doing all that. Jesus okay with it. No, no, no. Stop. Time out. No, you can't say that. Right. Jesus is not okay with that. He's only okay with himself. Come on. I say that, you're saying Jesus is those things. And he's not. Read the Bible. What Jesus are you serving? We need to get back to the Jesus. Yeah, come on, Sean. Let's go. Come on, Sean. Preach that. Preach that, Sean. 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 Preach that, if you got through this last season and you didn't repent of something, you missed the opportunity. Say it again. Newsflash yeah. is not too late. Okay? Right, yeah, right, yeah. That. And what I mean by that is repentance isn't, oh, I got this heinous sin in my life, I need to repent of it. Yeah, 
But repentance means change your way of thinking. Come on. I believe in this time and think like Jesus thinks. Right. Have a value system that is biblical, a biblical yeah. worldview, not a secular worldview. Yes. That this is a season to begin to say, Jesus, I want my life to look like yours. Come on. People ask you your opinion. If you're a follower of God, follow Christ. I'm going to shoot straight tonight because I've been here enough times. You're not entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to take the word of God and make it your opinion. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. If you're a follower of Christ. Now, if you're not a follower of Christ, then obviously, whatever opinion you want to espouse to. But if you're a follower of Christ, and people ask your opinion, and you're expressing an opinion contrary to Scripture, you're not following Christ. You're following your opinion. Let's go. Come on. Come on, Sean. Can we take a small break? Yeah. I love y'all. I love y'all. I really love y'all. This Capernaum is a city of comfort and of repentance. I believe it had an opportunity to shift. Didn't have to be rubble. Didn't have to be something that we're looking at. Now, why did this happen? Okay, so Jesus did many miracles in Capernaum. That's what the scholars tell us. Right. And so when he returns to Capernaum, right, all of a sudden, the word gets out that Jesus is in the house. We read it. And it's SRO, standing room only Jesus. They packed it out. It's imagine this place. It's packed out, Jesus here. It's packed outside, all around the building, because Jesus is in the house and it's heard. Now, let me say this Jesus has drawing power. Right. You don't yeah. have to add something to Jesus to make him attractive. Come on. He's yeah. already attractive. That's right. You're adding something to Jesus. It's called dilution. You're diluting who Jesus is. You're melting the ice cubes in your Diet Coke. Come on, somebody. It's not strong. Uh, right. You don't need to add anything to the gospel. We don't need to add anything to Jesus. We just need to unveil the things that we've been hiding who Jesus really is. That's right. Yeah. That's right. See, I, I believe one of the empowering beliefs of anyone that wants to win people to the Lord is you got to believe in your heart of hearts. Jesus is attractive. Jesus has drawn power. That's right. We talk about in Hollywood, so-and-so has an it, it factor. It, they have an it factor. They have an it factor, whatever, until they do something on the Oscars that makes them more of the it factor. But what I'm saying is we have that kind of terminology and nomenclature in the world. But let me tell you what. Jesus is beautiful. Right. Yeah. Amen. Most of the people out there critical of Jesus have never met him. That's right. Yeah. Because if you met him, you would recognize, oh my God, how resplendent, how beautiful, how altogether other, how attractive, how magnetizing, how humbling, how loving. Right. You you you, you meet Jesus. You know when you met Jesus. That's right. You know, people are like, yeah, I, I think I met him. No, no, no. You think it, you ain't met him yet. You right. know when you meet Jesus. Come on. Yeah. Come on. So here's Jesus and his heart is in the house. And I love this. He drew a crowd, literally, follow me. He drew a crowd without big screens, foam machines, or skinny jeans. Come on, somebody. We got big screens here. I do have skinny jeans. But we're not foam machines. But guess what? Jesus didn't need any of that. That's right. Yeah. Because Jesus didn't draw them on entertainment. He didn't draw them on a non-descript, non-demand gospel. Right. Yeah. The Bible said, we read it. When it came, it says, he preached the word to them. Don't you know what the temptation is when you get a crowd? The temptation when you get a crowd, right, is that all of a sudden, you give them something popular, you give them something pragmatic, in other words, it makes sense in the corner line, you give them something politically correct. That's not what Jesus did. When Jesus got the crowd there, he brought the word. Let me just say this. Small group leader, listen to me. Young believer, mature believer, Chi Alpha Nation, listen to me. Do not be ashamed to share the word of God. Amen. Let Jesus' word have a full bearing on people. Don't try to hide people from the demands of the gospel. See, here's what we do. We hide someone from the demands of the gospel like it may turn them off. That's not going to turn them off. You know what people are 
I'm not saying I agree with everything he said, but there's a reason why Joe Rogan is being paid over $100 million by Spotify, because if you listen to Joe Rogan's Experience Podcast, the dude draws the line. Right. Yeah. Right? Maybe 10 years ago, we wanted someone to give us this nebulous, everybody feels good, everybody is good, kind of, but now it's like, no, man, tell me the truth. I want authentic. Right. Give me what it really says. I want the real story. Come right. on. I've been saying that. We want to know the real story. That's yeah. why they're not just making a bad guy a bad guy on Marvel Cinematic Universe. They got to give you the backstory. They got to give you the origin story. So you find out why he is. We want to understand what went into creating this person to be whoever they are now. I'm in there with you. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah. Come on. I'm not talking too fast. No. Wow. All right. So here's Jesus in the house. And I love this. I may be all alone in this, but I don't think I'm all alone in this. I think all of our struggle to be quote unquote culturally relevant is robbing us from the one thing that does make us relevant. And that's being counterculture standing with the truth. Come on. Listen to me, Gen Z. The thing that will bring relevance back is in your ability to stand counterculture. That I will walk in holiness. I will walk in purity. Yes. I will walk a certain step life. Yes. I will remain dedicated. I will remain focused. I won't compromise. I won't say one thing with my Kyle off a small group and do another thing with all my other buddies and homies and, and girlfriends and this circle over here. Right. You're going to see the same Sean whether I'm here, I'm there, I'm out there, right. I'm in five nodes. Come on, you're going to see the same Sean. That's my goal. Right. I'm going to be the same person. Why? Because Jesus is worthy of consistent worship. Worship yeah. is what you do just because somebody up here sings. Come on, worship is a lifestyle. It's yeah. 24-7. That is what your worship is about. And if you're singing songs or living a life contrary to the songs that you sing, Come on. the Bible says, Jesus said, they, they, in a sense, for all intents and purposes, what Jesus says is that they give me lip service. Right, right. Hmm, okay, come on, come on, son. I will say that again a little bit later. Now, here's what I want to center in on. There were Pharisees and Sadducees there, and they packed out the books. And we read it. It says the Pharisees and Sadducees were sitting by. Now, it's totally different today than it was back then. Scholars tell us this, right? So, in today, in your class today, somebody had class today, the teacher stood, the students sat, right? Isn't that how it is? Right. Teachers stand, students sit. In Jesus' day, it was exactly the opposite. In Jesus' day, teachers sat, students stood. Y'all get the picture? Yeah. So why does it say that Jesus was standing and the Pharisees and Sadducees were seated? Pharisees and Sadducees, don't you know you study all the law and point to Jesus? This is the Son of Man, this is Christ Jesus. Y'all get up, let the man sit down. Let God stand up. He's the teacher, you're the student. The Pharisees and Sadducees were religious experts that felt like they cornered the market on spirituality. But here is the problem. Follow me. Please get this. You'll save me 10 minutes of preaching at you. All right? All right. Ready for this? Let's go. Yeah. But them sitting down and Jesus standing up, what they were saying is, we're not teachable. Wow. Wow. Come on. Come on. Because students stood, teachers sit, but you're sitting. So what they're saying is, we're not teachable. Now, why is that important? Because the Bible says, and the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. Right. Follow me. Who's the them? Not a true question. Pharisees and Sadducees, right? Right. That, that was the, 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 the predicate or whatever it was in that, in that sentence, in, in that composition, right? 
you have Pharisees and Sadducees, and the Bible says the presence of the Lord was there, they know now. But guess what? Until four dudes broke through the roof and brought their, their friend who couldn't walk, right, physically impaired, right. paralyzed, no one got healed. Right. Yeah. Is it possible to have revival in a room? A move of God ready to break out, and nobody activates it. Because the number one thing that blocks, because here's what I feel, I feel like revival is here, right? Yeah. yeah. I think we think revival is locked up in a closet in heaven, and we fast enough, and so our belly button touches our spine, and we just do this a crop, and I do believe in prayer and fasting. Right around me, you know, I do believe in it. Right. But this striving is if God is, is reticent, right. reluctant, yeah. right. to send a move of God that will glorify his son. No, 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 listen to me. I believe a revival is in a holding pattern over Sam Houston State. Come on. I believe revival is in a holding pattern to a certain extent because you're, you're seeing some of the outbreaks in there. It's in a holding pattern over the prison and the penitentiary. It's in a holding yeah. pattern over Huntsville, Texas. Yeah. But it takes someone who will rip the roof off to let everyone else recognize what was always in the room. Come on, Sam. Yeah. Come on. Woo. <laughs> Nineteen oh six, I believe it was, to about nineteen, a little bit thereafter, right? Nineteen oh four to nineteen oh six would have been the Welsh revival with Woo! the great Evan Roberts, which I can talk about him. But nineteen oh six would have been the Zeus Street revival, when I black and WJC. Yeah. Here was a guy that revival was hovering over Los Angeles, but it was really to break out over the nations. But it needed someone who would break the roof off. Now, now let, let, me, let me back up and say this. You know what common faith is? Every, every culture, every church, every Christian community, every geographic area has what's called common faith. And what it is, is it is the level or the baseline in which people touch God. Yeah. It's what they believe for. It's what they contend for, what they reach for. You are blessed to be in a place where you're getting discipled to look more like Jesus, to, to literally allow every single aspect of your life to glorify him, that literally it is your great occupation yeah. to fulfill the great commission, the disciple nation, to walk in your destiny, to lead people to the Lord, to cast out devils, to yeah, pray for the sick, to see them recover. This is in the book with your name on it. This is what you're going to do. Right. But what happens is, it's so easy for us, and y'all give me about seven more minutes for me now. It's so easy when you're in an area where everyone does a certain amount of this is how we worship, this is how we pray for the sick, if we do pray for the sick, this is how we believe. It's so easy to be caught up in the common faith. And what I found is great moves of God happen because someone is a barrier breaker. Someone is ready to rip the roof off. Okay. Someone lifts the lid a little bit higher. This is what everyone else believed in. Because what most people believe, let me rephrase it. Most people believe what most people believe. Right, yeah. right. It would be one thing to say, you know, four friends, they come to the back of the house, crowd it out. They come to the side of the house, crowd it out. They go to the back of the house, I would imagine. I'm sure they went all the way around the facility. The Bible says it's packed out, there was no room. These are four friends, they have a paralyzed friend. Imagine, I don't know, like, you ever, you ever seen those pallets? They have like a mash units. Right. Maybe they lifted up their guy, they carried him from a distance because they believe if we could get him to Jesus, our friend will be healed. We heard stories. He's back in Capernaum. Come on, man. We're going to get you here, Bobby. Come on, 
there. And so they're bringing his name's not Bobby, but he's Bobby right now. Right. They're bringing Bobby there, and all of a sudden it's packed out. Well, what are you gonna do, right? Right. Common faith would say if we could get him in the room and Jesus could touch him, he could be healed. But the room's packed out. We can't get him to Jesus. Sorry, Bobby. We tried. You know, maybe he'll come back. Hopefully he'll come back. We're sorry, man. That, that would have been common faith. You at least tried to get him to the meeting. Right, right. Yeah. But what God is developing in you is uncommon faith. Come on. Barrier breaking faith. Then you're not just going to do what average Christians do because average Christians get average results. Uh -oh. We need somebody uh -oh. who will be like this one-eyed black man, WJ Seward, begin to cry out. Yes. He began in your state, Houston, Texas. Woo! was a before Susan Street. Yeah. He's seeking the Baptist Holy Ghost, son of a sharecropper. sharecropper. He begins here with Charles Poirant, meets uh, WJ Seward to Topeka, Kansas. He has Bethel uh, uh, at that time. Bible school, and he goes there because they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and all that Saturday night, we're going to go around, we're going to pray for folks with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so we're going to go around the night He goes there, now listen to me, I'm not bemoaning racism and segregation right now, it's not the point of this story, I'm actually making another point. W.J. Seymour, because he was a black man, if this was Bethel School of Ministry, and Charles Parham was a white man, he, at that time, they believed in segregation. So, he allowed W.J. Seymour to be in a building if it was raining outside, but he had to be in a closet and it would open the door. W.J. Seymour would sit and, up, sit and take notes in a broom closet in back because of segregation. If there was sunshine, they would put him outside, open up the window, and he'd be by the window. Now, again, I'm not trying to decry racism or segregation. That's evil, we get that. Right. What yeah. I am decrying, is the desperation on a man who refuses to be offended. Come on. Yeah. You can, That's no, so okay, good. No, come on. Come on. Wow. The real, you want to find out what real spirituality is? Real spirituality is what do you do when you hit a wall? Come on. Yeah. What do you do? You try to bring your friend to Jesus, but it's all packed up. You can't get him there. See what they do? I would have loved it. I'm going to get to heaven. We're going to go to heaven. We're going to sit on heaven. You too. Right. They wrap this dude up and put him up the side of a of a roof, right? Can you imagine three dudes on the top pulling your boy up? You get creative and you get desperate. Right, that's right. And all the, all the while, I think about the Pharisees. They came out and says the power of God was there to heal them. Here's what I think. They came out, but they weren't connected. Yeah. Mm. They were present, but they weren't plugged in. Wow. wow. Sometimes you can miss your miracle because, again, you came out, but you're not connected to God. Right, yeah. You're present, but you're not plugged in. Your mind is someplace else. And all of a sudden, after a while, you begin to develop an, an attitude where you come to expect the supernormal rather than the supernatural. Wow, wow. They're going to do a talk. They're going to sing three songs. They're going to do this announcement. You know, we're going to hear a message. We're going to walk out. Now, that's you're, if this is your home, that's probably, that's definitely not your home. But there are a lot of people. They come to their services, their coffee groups, their churches, their home groups, whatever, small groups. They come expecting the super normal. When in fact, what it takes to raise a roof are those who expect the supernatural. Right. Yeah. expect the supernatural. That's right. Come on. come on. So here are these Pharisees, and it says they were sitting by. I mean, there are a lot of things. That's the problem. When people have a sitting by faith, yeah. right? Wow. They're not actively participating in sitting by. Why are they sitting by? Jesus gives another reason why. 
presence of the Lord is there to heal, but it's in a holding pattern. Right. I told you about revival's not locked up in the closet, it's in a holding pattern. Yeah. If you think W.J. Seymour, after reading about the Baptist Holy Spirit, goes to Los Angeles, California, to Wally Grace Street, starts a small home group, power of God baptizes a, a, a girl in the Holy Ghost. Right? Another guy gets baptized. Eventually, right down the road, W.J. Seymour, and all of a sudden, Jewish Street Revival breaks out that is impacted. They say today, easily 750,000 believers around wow. the globe. Yeah. No, no, wow. no, I said that wrong. Did I say that right? No, 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 no. What am I saying? 750 million. Woo! Get it right. 750 million. This is a statistic I just got from my missiologist. 750 million people around the globe have been impacted with the power of the Holy Ghost. Wow. So yeah. it's been anyway. What was the problem with the Pharisees? Jesus said, why do you reason in your hearts? Follow me. Their problem was this. The presence of the Lord, their miracle, be in the room to check these dudes out. He, he rebuked them. He said, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Watch this. The Pharisees and Sadducees didn't get healed because obviously something that may be healing, or else the Bible wouldn't say the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. They established them, Pharisees and Sadducees. Watch this. Because they were too busy reasoning that they weren't receiving. Wow. See, what we're guilty of sometimes in our college age is that we try to, because we're trained that way. I, for the record, let me tell you, I did not commit intellectual suicide. You should have, I have a computer engineering degree from the University of Pacific. I'm that thing, so I'm telling you, I got a master's in ministry, but I got a computer degree, so I am that engineer doing But guess what? I found out that the things that spirit, you don't get there through reasoning, you get there through receiving. Come on. Yeah. Because Jesus took a little child and said, what should become one of these? You can't even see the things of the kingdom. You can't hear right. the kingdom of God. Right. You've got to be that child like that says, my daddy says it, I believe it. I want that. And here is the flipping point. It's a flipping point for W.J. Seymour. It's a flipping point for four guys. Say four guys. Four guys. Brought their friend. They get up to the top of the roof, and here is the word. Here's exactly where we're at, and someone get ready to come to the keys. The word okay. of what it takes to open up an atmosphere, to release the miracle power of God, to release, man, a move of the Spirit, to let Jesus be Jesus in your midst, to see expansion, growth, everything is found in this simple truth. You ready for this? Let me tell you the counterfeit, and then I'll tell you the genuine. The counterfeit is the devil has released the spirit of desperation. Yeah. We live in a world people are desperate, right? Right, yeah. When you're desperate, and we see that, people are driven to extremes. Like there are more murders that are taking place and killing sprees across this nation right now. People being pushed to extreme. The ideological attack on your generation is unprecedented. Yeah, People yeah. are coming in before and, and, and literally trying to, in every way, dissect you as a human being and your identity and your, you don't have even have to describe your pronoun and all this kind of stuff and there's such an attack and then I realized something the enemy and God are both releasing the spirit of desperation let me explain the demonic spirit of desperation releases the spirit of hopelessness and falsehood right like you feel hopeless or you're releasing your hope in something that will disappoint you newsflash one of the great lessons of the pandemic is putting our faith in undeserving sources. Right. That's they right. don't expose. Got the time in certain sections, certain authorities. They told us this was going to happen. This is going to happen. And all of a sudden, your generation built up like sense of I'm not putting my faith in what you say because you've been wrong way too many times. Right. 
right? Yeah. Certain people tell you this is the truth and this is what happened. We find fake news. It's not the truth. You're lying. We find out what that is about. It's a spirit of hopelessness, false hope. But what is the answer? Yeah. I said God and Satan are both released in a spirit of desperation. The satanic counterpart is my hopelessness and false hope. But the spirit of desperation heaven is released. It's a hunger for the Lord. Come on. Wow. It's a hunger for the Lord. That's good. That's when good. You're willing to be the one that will lift the lid. Come on. You're willing to be an Evan Roberts in Wales. You're in a time when there were very few young people that were serving God. Yeah. And in your teenage years, you pray for God so much, your bed shakes. And by the time he's in his college years, he's gathered together a small group of about 16 folks. He's permission from his pastor. They go in the equivalent. Imagine if you have like a chapel. Or, or small, I think there's a room over here, and you all met 16, and the power of God falls, and in nine months, 100,000 people get their life to Christ. Come on. In the region. Because why? Somebody raised the roof. Right. The presence of the Lord is there to heal. I don't create the presence of the Lord. I don't create healing. What I do is I make room for that to begin to move in our midst. We need someone to raise the roof. These four guys get on top of the roof. And you know what I like? These dudes ripped up the roof. Right, you know what's yeah. amazing about that? It wasn't their house. Come on, you know, it wasn't their house. They ripped their roof off. Yeah, dude. I imagine, sometimes I believe what God's going to do. Sometimes God alters structures of what we believe and how we believe and how we've done stuff to get a new move. Yeah. So Jesus was there, and they wanted to expose their friend to Jesus. So remember, who is he? He is the way, the truth. truth, and the life. That's right. So rather than just... Right, ripping off the roof, they were uncovering the truth. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, the truth. Jesus got it. So I can just Jesus. I don't know he's teaching. You know, maybe he's doing a recap. You know, something on the mountain. What was that? What was that? Man, a piece of dirt fell from the roof because they had like clay roofs. And all of a sudden, in these Pharisees and Sadducees sitting by, and how many of you know if they'd have stood up, there'd have been more room for people to come in. Wow, come on. You can always fit more room. Standing room only crowd is always bigger than seating capacity. Right. Yeah. These dudes are taking up space. And all of a sudden, as they lower their friend down, they have ripped off a roof. Sometimes it calls for you to do something out of the ordinary. Sometimes it calls for you to do something in the area that is just violent. Now let me speak. Not violence like worldly violence. I'm talking about violence where the Bible says. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violence taken by force. Right. It's, it denotes a radical intensity in the inner man to go after God no matter what. Right. You're desperate for the more God. Yeah. And in that, I believe that that desperation will produce a fresh encounter with God. Because yeah. desperation is a good thing if the objective is honorable. Come on. Yeah. And now here is these things, man. So many things I can say, but let me close it here. What did you come to touch? Here's what I came to tell you. I came to loving it. That's what I feel like God sent me to get out of Satan. You know when your computer shuts down and you think you got a virus, particularly if you got a PC that you open up your operating system in Satan mode. I feel like so many people are coming out of COVID in the Christianity and open it up in Satan mode. Right. And if they'd have done that, their friend would have remained paralyzed. That's right. Yeah. They did something dangerous with their faith. Maybe you gave even breakfast. And what they were willing to do is they were willing to put it all on the line. They were willing to go after God. They were willing to say, hey, man, we either going to go to jail. Now you have no excuse. We're not talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
ourselves on why. That's where I found out, right? We need believers that are willing to lose their reputation, risk their reputation. Wow, I'm, God. I'm not here trying to look cute. I'm not trying to look pretty. I'm not trying to look hip. I'm not trying to look fly. I'm fire or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to look like Jesus. I'm trying yeah. to see a move of God in a generation. I'm trying to fight for a reference point for your generation. I had men and women of God that were older than me that fought for the moves of God. I was a young believer coming up in my college years in Kava. I saw moves of God. I saw what it was like to see the Spirit of God radically deliver, set folks free, baptizing in the Holy Ghost, radically change the heart of what they wanted to do right. They wanted to live for God. And I want a generation to see that. I owe that to, to you before the Lord. It's my holy obligation, and I embrace it. And I want you to have a reference point. What does it look like? The only way you're going to know is check it out. It took four people on the outside who, took, who came late to the party to show everybody else what was available in the room. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Maybe you just are going to get saved tonight and you're going to pick up the Bible and believe everything the Bible says and put the rest of us to shame because we kind of went over a bigger time and get back into common faith and whatever everybody believes, whatever was believed for. We need someone that will step out and believe for God to right. get people out of wheelchairs, for God yeah. to deliver entire dormitories to Christ. Is yeah. there somebody out there that has faith that can reach a little bit further than what you believed yesterday or last week? Can you see the faith of it?
make us desperate, make us desperate. Lord, make us desperate. There's that glorious moment now where we discover that we've got more to surrender. And it's not about working harder. It's about moving closer. It's about surrendering. Amen. But it is about living your life in a singular desperation that says, God, we need more. Yes. Now, yes. I just thought it nice close. This is important. I believe that God wants to get you whole. He wants to get you healed. He wants to meet you in that place of trauma and stuff that happened in your life in early childhood. Maybe that point in time when your parents divorced and you had to sit in the court and kind of choose who you're going to go with. There are people here, I know under the sound of my voice, that there's been abuse, there's been physical, verbal, sexual, there's been tremendous rejection. But here is how I choose my friends. Remember this guy, Bobby, that I'm calling Bobby. His four friends brought, brought him to Jesus. I understand something, and I think it's so important, that the bottom line is this. We don't need people that will just coddle us in our crisis. We need friends that will carry us toward deliverance. Amen. Let me say that again. They didn't just coddle Bobby in his crisis. We don't need any more friends that will simply coddle us in our crisis. We need some friends that will carry us toward deliverance. And why did you say that, Sean? Because there's somebody here that you got here because a friend invited you. They didn't just call you in your cry. They can say, oh, that's good. Dude, it's good. You're that girl. You're that dude. You're all right. It's okay. No, no, no. They're real friends because real friends don't just call you in your crisis. They carry you to your deliverance. That's right. They go, no, I'm committed to you experiencing real freedom in that area of that heartache, that hurt, that rejection. There's something in the room right now that can get you back on your feet again. There's something in the room where something floored you. You never thought you could ever stand up again on your own in this particular area. And I'm telling you, there's a Jesus in this room that can get you back on your feet. He loves you. He died for you. And that's what makes your separation from God such an utter tragedy. Because he's done all the heavy lifting. Right. He's done it all. Right. The mistake of the Pharisees and Sadducees is they thought they were the smartest in the room. And they weren't. Jesus was. That's, that's why right. y'all should be standing. He should be sitting. It's funny how sometimes you can come to this point and think, no, I don't need that. I'm good. I'm all right. You don't realize, right? You don't. Hey, I, I got an iPad up here. When something goes wrong with this iPad, I don't bring it to Sanyo and try Sanyo. I got to go to the Mac store, right. Apple store, for them to fix this thing. Isn't it crazy that when Jesus is our maker and our manufacturer, that we try to go to other kind of people in simple situations and circumstances and prescriptions, and you go on and on and on to fix us, and they didn't make us. They don't know how to fix you. you got to go back to your maker and manufacturer, and the one that created you is Jesus, the one Amen. who call your name. And I know I sound like I'm right now preaching, and I guess I am. I'm proclaiming, but I have a passion that you're listening to person that wanted to kill himself X number of years ago and, was, and would have carried it out had it not been the fact that Jesus intervened yeah, and showed up. Thank you, Lord. And his showing up for you may be as dramatic as that, may not be as dramatic outwardly, but inwardly, it will always be dramatic because the moment you say yes to Christ, only Christianity at the other end of your confession comes a new life. Only Christianity, the moment you confess it as Lord and you surrender your heart, do you experience the miracle of new birth? And yes, you get to go to heaven when you die, but you get to go to heaven. You get to have some heaven to go to heaven on. And this is what Jesus does. Come on. Because wherever Jesus is Lord, he brings the atmosphere of freedom. That's why the Bible says you want to know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Yeah. It's about an ice closed. We're here right now. Say, Sean, pray with me.
man. I need to give my life to the Lord. I need to come back to Christ. I know the current activities of my life. Now notice, I didn't ask you if you go to church. I didn't ask you if you belong to a church. I didn't ask you if you had a mom and a daddy that was elders or deacons, or you just identify if you were to fill in the line as religion, affiliation, you were the right Christian. I ask you, I'm asking if you have a personal relationship with Christ. Personal relationship should translate into two things. Obviously more, but I'm going to give you two to immediately measure in your life. Number one, your relationship with God should translate to victory over the devil and peace and personal understanding. If you have an addiction, a bondage, an anger, an unforgiveness, a bitterness, something in your life that's defeating you, you're not operating in an authority over the devil because that's where the devil traffics you. And if you don't have peace in your heart, if you're driven, if you're trying to find some sort of salacious activity or you're trying to fulfill a, a kind of answer scratching your soul you're trying to hook up with somebody those are all proofs that you don't have the peace of past understanding so if your relationship with Christ does not translate to victory over the devil or the peace of the past understanding then you haven't entered into the type of relationship Jesus is dying to give you if you're right now you say Sean I need to give my life to Christ I need to come to the Lord if you're in the balcony if you're on the lower level I'm telling you, you are not alone. Jesus is here. That's right. He loves you. Yes. He is here. Let me tell you what. You are going to, if the devil could, he would hold your, your hand down because he would love to say he still owns you. That's right. But let That's me right. tell you right now, he didn't know he didn't pick Christ for only Jesus. Did. That's right. If he could do it, he, he would do it. But he cannot hold your hand. He cannot hold your life back. Only you can do that. You have. You would have to make the decision to come in agreement with what hell wants Versus what heaven wants. If you're right now, say, Sean, pray with me. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to come back to the Lord. I'm tired of being made to hurt. I want to know this Jesus. I want to surrender. I need to give my all. And this is what I'm created for. This moment is, in fact, the moment of your life. If that's you, where you're at right now, slip your hands up right now. Slip it up your hands. Say, Sean, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to come back to the Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, amen. In the balcony, I'm looking at all, that's all the same small group. Anyone else? It's double digits, yeah, yeah. Amen, oh man, I love that. Like half a row of guys. If you lifted your hands, I need to give my life to Christ. Where are you at right now? Would you just stand up? Hand up, stand up, stand up, Lord, right where you're at. Don't be shy, don't be like ashamed, like quite the opposite. Like, you imagine if Jesus is standing right here, and I tell you, he is standing right here, right? Because the Bible says, it's clear. Two or more gathered together. Jesus is there. I'm in the midst. Jesus here in the midst. I'm not ashamed of Jesus in the midst. Thank I'm running to Jesus in the midst. I'm trying to get in the midst of Jesus in the midst. Yeah. And that's what he's requiring of you. Thank you, Lord. And if, if, as you're saying, would you do me a favor? If you're saying, yeah, I, I want to receive Christ. I need to come back to God. And I want to say again, if the current activities of your life that you know God's not blessing, one time you walk with the Lord, would you walk away? You can walk back to Jesus. That's right. Would you stand up to there are people that you say, I need to rededicate, reconsecrate, reset the life to Christ. If you're seated, would you stand up with me? Is anybody like that? Would you? Yes. I bless you. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Can I get everyone standing? Would you come meet me right now? Step out your seat. Don't sit back down. If you're standing, come meet me right here. Come on, just step. Don't be shy. Come on, it's all good. Trust me. Trust me. This is.
this side of eternity. I don't have to figure it all out if I know the one who has the answer to it all. And Father, I just pray that heal the hearts yes. of people. Yes, I pray you would lift off any of those things I've described, more abuse, heartache, yes. rejection. Yes. God, even some of their parents have said scolding things over them and, 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 and siblings and family members. And God, just the stuff that happens in a fallen world when you have no healer yes. in the room. Father, we just pray over these incredible world shakers, history makers, bondage breakers, city takers that stand before me. But I thank you, Jesus. You love them. God, you're crazy about them. You're not mad at them. You're mad about them. Come on. Come on. And the Lord, they'll never walk low again. Loneliness is an impossibility when you understand the one who says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. And that is coming from a God that has suffered from severe loneliness for many portions of his life. Lord, I thank you, God. So I bless him right now. Yes. Right yes, now. Lord. Take a minute, a moment. Would you just pray for that person? We're just going to give them a moment. I'm not going to keep you too late tonight because I do want you to come out tomorrow night. I'm going to open up the altar for a response tonight. And I'm going to, tomorrow night, I'm going to play up with others. And we're going to pray several people. Words and I, as the Spirit leads, pray for the sick. We're going to have uh, you here for God tonight. And we want to encourage you to hear from God and step out. But I want you, I feel like if I take it too long tonight, I may not get you back tomorrow night. Maybe I'm erroneous in that conclusion. Saturday night, baptism, Holy Ghost, baptism, the fire. But we're, we're just going to have a revival time. So just take a minute and pray for him. Even as my brother is singing, just begin to ask the Lord to burn in your heart. Burn in your heart. So something about your heart begins to burn for the Lord. Inflamed in passion. There's sometimes that I think we come and we kind of have a tryout kind of attitude. Think if the four guys came to try out the moment they found the crowd and the barriers, they would have bounced. Peace out. But they didn't come to try out. They came to tap in. And that's why you're in the altar. You're tapping in. You're saying, God, I've got, my soul demands a greater entrance into the things of God. I don't want the same old, same old. I'm not here for status quo. I'm not here for a routine or a ritual. Lord, I want a true, real encounter with you. Can you just begin to open your mouth where we have to say, God, I just pray, Lord, encounter me. God, I want a deeper connection with you. Lord, touch my heart. God, possess me, Holy Spirit. People talk about people being possessed of the devil. We're the people possessed of the Holy Spirit, not an evil spirit. The Holy Spirit. We're the ones that say, Lord, I recognize right now. I've been playing and straying, but God, right now it's time for me to begin praying, Father. I'm coming after you, Lord. Right now, someone you need to rededicate. This is a rededication moment. Not because you've been in sin, but you're saying this season demands a greater flow, and a greater flow requires a greater surrender. So even at this altar, my brother's singing, why don't you just begin to press in, and you're not a spectator. Remember the Pharisees and Sadducees were standing, uh, sitting by, uh, literally trying to pick an argument. They left with what they came for. They came for an argument, they left with one. But someone came in a building to touch Jesus, and they left with a touch. Lord, that's why we're here. That's why we came out, God. That's why we're serving you, Lord. Because number one, you're worthy. And number two, we know your touch is the transformative catalyst that is the catalyst of all the ages. Lord, we need a fresh touch. Would you just begin to lift your voice and say, in our place of connection to God.